Thanks for tuning in to the HR Uprising podcast. I'm your host, Lucinda Carney. The HR Uprising is focused on helping forward-thinking people professionals deliver real lasting value in their organisations. I'm a chartered psychologist, speaker and trainer, and recently authored the best-selling business book, How to Be a Change Superhero. My day job is founder and CEO of software and training business Actus. This gives me the opportunity to work with other businesses like yours. We are focused on building a better workplace for people wherever they are located with the help of our performance, learning and talent management software and our training and consultancy services. Every week on the podcast, I will be covering different topics and challenges, joined by relevant experts and real-life people professionals. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really hope you enjoy and get value from this week's episode. Hello and welcome to this week's HR Uprising podcast. And this week, I thought I would share with you some information that I've pulled together from the work that I've been doing with clients who are evolving to new ways of working, who are not going to get everybody back into the office, but actually they're choosing to embrace hybrid working and they're going through it in a really active way. So I've shared this on a webinar recently and it's been so well attended that I thought it would be useful to turn into a podcast for people to refer back to as well. So what we're focusing on today is 10 steps to successful hybrid working and the themes that I think we need to consider. Now, it's interesting when I ask the question, what challenges do you envisage with a hybrid working model? I'm finding that the answers that people are giving me are really starting to evolve. So where it used to be about visibility or availability of people, which were legitimate concerns, many of us have worked out how to address that now. You've still got well-being, which continues to be a concern to many, with people wondering about whether people are going to have presenteeism, there's going to be stress because they're not switching off, they're doing emails at all hours. That, for me, is a fascinating cultural issue that is worth thinking about maybe in its own right in terms of addressing if you have got that. It is about how people are managed. Um, It's about the leadership. It's about what we expect of people. I'm working with organisations where people are still on Zoom all day without even time to go for a five-minute break. And I do not see how that can be productive. So if you're in that environment, is that are you putting pressure on yourself to do that? Uh, is your manager? What is it about the culture that says that that's being productive? Because you can't be being productive. And that's, of course, when people are ending up working late into the night and uh, there's no balance there at all. So that's something which I, I'm not going to go in necessarily here, but it's thinking about maybe the culture that you want to prescribe which may be about making sure that the behaviours around visibility and respect for people's out-of-hours time and all those kind of things, if you are looking to move towards a longer-term hybrid working model, then those things need to be sustainable. Other um, concerns I've heard people talk about are confusion in terms of collaboration technology, messaging platforms. I'll talk about that during the session. Maybe losing visibility of specialist skills people feeling isolated, lack of information sharing or creativity. And other ones were about things like people's career opportunities and maybe things like diversity or inclusivity. This idea of proximity bias that I was reading about recently, that only those that you see on a regular basis, so we're not aware of others. Now, of course, was that probably was always the case. Proximity bias was probably always in case. 
you could argue that's where things like old boys networks and things become people become cynical about those sort of things so really maybe it's about conscious inclusivity is the way forwards with that Anyway, those are the challenges. I don't know if any of those resonate with you when I run the recent webinar on that. Those were extending and the inclusivity angle was coming through more so. I've got 10 practical tips that may be things that you can think about that could be useful for you. So my first um, tip really is about thinking about the culture that you have within your organisation and whether or not it's a high trust culture or not. Really, we've been talking about this throughout the last 15 months or so. In in actual fact, high trust cultures do directly link with productivity. There may be the odd person who abuses the trust, but the vast majority don't. And if we want to create culture change, as you heard if you listened to my my upcoming podcast on the culture puzzle, with um, Mario Musso, it is about talking to people and engaging with people. And I'd say that's about us encouraging an adult to adult behaviours rather than parent-child culture in our organisation. So if you are the person who's trying to influence it, then how can you challenge the manager's viewpoints if they don't see things that way? Why are they think being parental? Is it a command and control environment? Actually, is that sustainable if you need to have hybrid working What are long-term repercussions if you force people back to the workplace just because the managers can't get their heads around people working remotely or managing them in a more effective way? Personally, and this is anecdotally, the business, I'm working with a business at the moment that is absolutely embracing this and then a business that isn't. The one that's embracing this, anecdotally, people reporting back that their mates in the same industry are going, I'm dreading going back to the office. And they're starting to put their CVs out there. This other one, absolutely embracing it. I think it is going to be a differentiator for those who want to retain flexibility. So are you going to shoot yourself in the foot if your organisation just can't get its head around um, culturally uh, managing a hybrid environment? And why is that? Is it because it's command and control? Is it parent-child? And if so, maybe that's what needs looking at. What culture do you need to establish in order to make it successful? So tip number one, think about high trust environment. But it's not just top down. It's also we need to make sure that if they're going to be given trust and people are treated as adults, they need to be self-aware. They need to be conscious. And I'll come across this term later or use this term intentional that I'm using a lot at the moment. And when I'm saying they're interdependent, therefore, if you're going to be given the opportunity to work flexibly um, or predominantly home-based, you still have to be responsive. There are dependencies that you uh, have with people that you work with unless you have an entirely isolated job. So you need to think about when you should be responsive. You need to think about how people catch hold of you, managing your availability and maybe the location. So maybe you need to plan to go into certain locations on certain days. So it's not sufficient just to go, fine, okay, we're going to have a hybrid environment and you can then work forever from home for forever more. People still have got responsibilities in order to match their interdependencies. And that links into my third tip as well, which is where we need to think about for businesses to survive, the sheer practicalities of the fact that my, as a home worker, needs and preferences need to align with the needs of my team, of my people I collaborate with. They need to align with the overall customer needs. If you imagine this is like a donut diagram, there's a ring within the ring within a ring with the ring. And overall, that's got to align with the business needs. So at the outside, if the business 
isn't sustainable or the organisation isn't sustainable, then you can't operate in a hybrid environment or it's not going to continue. And it's only sustainable if it's meeting customer needs. Customer needs are only going to be met if team inter-team needs are met. And ultimately, my needs and preferences are at the centre of that and need to align with all of those. So there's something there that if we are going to create a high trust environment, we need to engage with people and help them to realise their interdependencies and how these need to be aligned. And that leads me on to tip four, which is encouraging people to have a think-win-win mindset. Those of you who are regular listeners will know that I am a bit of a Stephen Covey fan and he talks about different mindsets around um, interactions with others. And he argued that a win-win mindset, so thinking win-win, you may not always achieve win-win, is the only sustainable mindset. And that's because if we tend to think win-lose, Um, you know, I win, you lose long term. So that's like the manager who's insisting that people come back into the office and when they don't want to, long term, people will vote with their feet. And that will end up being a lose-lose for the organisation, the manager. If we think lose-win, okay, I'll put my needs second, I'll go into the office or, or, you know, I I won't collaborate or whatever I might do. I I don't do the things that I want to. I won't reach out and get the support that I need. I think in the lose-win scenario, then ultimately I'm not going to get the information or the collaboration or be as effective as I would have done otherwise. And that means we all lose as well. So to think win-win, we need to have a high courage. So that means we may need to be brave to ask for what we want, but we also need to have high consideration where we are courageous and sorry, considerate enough to think of the needs and requirements of others and align ourselves with them. So thinking win-win is our tip four and challenging those that don't think that way. If you want to encourage people to think win-win, then and let's say they want to work remotely, you could ask some of these questions as coaching questions to think about it. You might ask them something like, how do you plan to maintain strong relationships with those that you don't see regularly? Or how frequently do you think you need to meet people in person to stay connected? What ideas do you have to ensure that you maintain visibility with your key relationships? How will you ensure that you'll be fully effective with your choice of working style? And how will you know if your new working pattern is effective? Notice all of those questions are open questions, they're coaching questions, and they're completely pertinent if we've got an adult-to-adult relationship because you're allowing the individual, you're empowering them to take control, but you're prompting their thought so that they don't overlook key aspects of their responsibilities by seeing themselves in a little bubble. So on to tip five. And these now, the next two, tip five and six for me, are about practical things. If you're moving to this environment, we've all got into habits over the last year or so about working, whether it's technology. If you were a business that didn't really have established communication technology, collaboration technology before everyone was forced to work from home within a two week period, then you may have ended up with multiple different tools and people using all sorts of different communication technologies, which is okay, except for the fact that then you might find people get bombarded. I think we've all have it on the phone. You know, you get a message from somebody and you get a message and you go, where did it come from? Did they message me on Messenger, WhatsApp? Was it a text message? And you're trying to find where it was because we've got so many routes that people can come into us. Well, that just creates stress for people. So simplify that landscape. 
Now's the time to talk to your IT department if you have one, but really think about um, what the collaboration tools are that you've got there. Um, make sure that people know which ones they should be using when. Consider things about, also look at things where you can make subject matter experts visible. So use technology. If you've got actors, you can use their talent profile to do that. You could consider getting people to collaborate using open working together calls. So how else could you use the technology and get people to create habits around proactive asynchronous information sharing. That saves us a huge amount of time. We use Skype in Skype channels, but there's loads of other tools um, that you can use. I think lots of people have Teams messengers or Slack channels, but effectively it's having topics where you can plonk information in there or ask a question at any point on a specific subject, and then someone else can come back to you. And that enables you to keep both continue working without interrupting them, but you keep that information flowing. So think about how you can collaborate with people. And point six is also define some etiquette around that because people have got different types of habits. One of the things when I've been running focus groups on this is you will find certain people would moan about the fact that they can't access people or they're always on do not disturb or they don't want to interrupt them or they're permanently being interrupted. My sense here, and this links into my intentional point that I'll discuss later as point number 10, is that we have to all now think about our calendar as almost being our virtual office door. So if you had an office, many of us were in open plan, of course, um, if you had an office and you could say, oh, my door's open when people can interrupt, but my door's closed when I'm focusing on something, make our calendar communicate that for us. You can, of course, use status settings, I think, if you're using Teams. And so that might mean that we need to ask people to create habits around blocking out time when they need to be productive, so they're not to be interrupted then. But equally, blocking out time for surgeries or time when people can just drop in and chat to you so your people feel that they can access you. It should be that we're able to say, actually, I'm busy on that task. I'll get back to you at a certain time if interrupted, as it should be when we were in the office that you say, actually, I'm really focused on something. But that said, the flip side of it is we need to get back to people when we said we would. So we have responsibility to be responsive. In terms of meetings, try and make sure there's a purpose to meetings. We're not just inviting all and sundry. We don't have Zoom or Teams presenteeism. Um, and therefore, when people are on a task, on a call, turn the camera on, get involved and allow to multitask. I think now we probably need to put some expectations in around social attendance. Probably, you know, last year we all got to the point where depending on your personality type, you really were over the you know Zoom bingo or the social activities and you probably didn't want to do any more on that. However, if you're going to work like this indefinitely, then probably you need to make sure that you, your team meetings include some level of informal chat, the chat that would have over coffee and biscuits, um, where you find out either things about people personally so that they feel a sense of belonging and inclusion and understanding, or where you have opportunities for ideas to flow. And another tip which was quite useful that people have been doing was to potentially use email footers to communicate, communicate their working patterns. So if you send an email, maybe say I'm going to be on holiday coming forwards on these dates or I work Monday, Thursday, Fridays, whatever it is. But there's certain things there where people can use their email footers to add additional communication in there. So we're up to point seven. Point seven for me is about... Uh, being alert to the fact that the good old change curve is going to rear its ugly head again. So whether you decide to get everybody to come back to the office or whether you need to go to a hybrid working style, 
you're going to have some people who are going to be in denial and resistance, whether it's they don't want to commute, they don't feel feel fearful about it, they like the work-life balance, or on the other hand, whether it's a manager that doesn't want to subscribe to the hybrid working and wants everyone back in the office where they can see them. We're going to have some conflict in terms of change management. One of the ways through it is by creating some certainty about the practicalities, as I went through on the last two points, but also remembering that all those things we know about managing change, the emotions that are involved, the resistance, if we want to help people through it, we need to listen to their concerns, we need to empathise, we need to help them find a way forwards. Points eight and nine are about challenging our own mindset and then involving others. So always worth challenging your own mindset before you perhaps ask others, but thinking if you are going to be hybrid, ask yourself, am I truly open-minded about finding new ways to incorporate everyone's individual working pattern or the way they want to work? Is it possible that I'm expecting some people to compromise their preferences, maybe because of their job role or their proximity to me or otherwise? Could I be more creative or how could I be more creative in the way I work? Um, I run meetings. How am I demonstrating a feeling of trust and empowerment with my team? And actually, what might the impact of my own working choice be on others? If you decide you want to be home-based, what's the impact or vice versa? Include your team, get people to think about creating their own solutions as well. So talk to people, engage people. That's how we achieve culture change. So get them to think about what are our team commitments or deliverables? What are our dependencies or shared needs? What working patterns do we need to deliver our commitments? If suddenly you want to work remotely, but actually you do need somebody to be physically in the office each day of the week for whatever reason, then there's got to be some sort of win-win agreement that takes place where people come to an agreement about how you meet those needs. And of course, this links back to our earlier points. Always think about, are there any gaps presented by us moving to this new way of working? What are the win-wins and how are we going to hold each other accountable? Make sure that we are reflecting on this, that we are being conscious about how we do this. And then finally, tip number 10 is help people recognise the importance of being intentional. I think this is probably one of the biggest ways in which we can make a difference as we go forwards and overcome many of the challenges. In terms of the collaboration, the concerns about people, um, you know, organically learning from each other, get people to think about the longer term. Whereas, you know, if some people would have done this anyway, perhaps if they were remote, but those of us who went into an office every day, you just took everything for granted. It was spontaneous, this sort of communication. All we've got to do now is think, well, when do I need to collaborate and who do I need to collaborate with? But we need to plan it in advance. It's a bit like if you want to get the super saver flare on the train, you know, you need to plan it in advance to get the best value of it and organise other meetings around it and be planned and then have be planned about the days at home. You can't just guarantee to rock up and, you know, have an informal conversation around the coffee machine. Those things are less likely to happen spontaneously. So we just need to get better at longer range diary management rather than leaving things to chance and prioritising time for, for relationship building, um, creativity and face-to-face -face contact. And everybody needs to be prepared to do that if they want to have the flexibility or the benefit of a, you know, a of a flexible hybrid environment. And if people are choosing to do that and that's what they want to do, then they need to act like adults. They need to be intentional and then they should be treated as adults and equally we give them that trust. 
in order to feel trusted enough to behave like adults. So those are my 10 points. Um, if you want to download them, um, there's, the, there's an infographic on them that you can download from the website. If you go to the hruprising.com, that will give you the links to the Actus website or just go directly to the Actus website where our resources are. And also you can see the webinar, which is a little bit more, but it's got all the slides on it as well. And if you want to access the slides, you can get those there. So just in summary, I'm saying that hybrid working is all about a high trust environment. We need to remind people of their interdependence and they need to have that mindset. They also need to think about how stakeholder needs must be aligned for any kind of new way of working to be sustainable. We should encourage people to think win-win as opposed to win-lose or lose-win with their relationships for them to be sustainable. We need to think about the practicalities. So define etiquette around um, visibility, responsiveness, the way in which we interact with people, just practical etiquette that does it's clear what's expected and we don't just leave things to chance. We need to simplify or clarify the way we use technology in the collaboration landscape. You might want to um, reduce some of the tools you've got if you've got too many going on in your organisation or specify which ones should be used when. Remember that this is going to send other people into change and be mindful of that and support people through the change curve, particularly if they're in denial or resistance. Be open to your own biases. So challenge your own mindset. Involve others in defining the solutions because culture change involve, is it all about engaging and involving others. And help others recognise the importance of being intentional, being a little bit more planned, a little bit more long range. And it's amazing how much more we can achieve from that. So there you go. I hope that was useful. 20 minutes worth of 10 top tips for a hybrid environment. And as ever, you can do download various aspects of that if you want to refer back to these and use them in your environment. Thank you for listening. I really hope you found this week's episode useful and enjoyable. If you did, perhaps you could recommend us to a friend or colleague or give us a review on your platform of choice. It really helps new listeners to find us. Now you can access links to any of the information mentioned in this show via the website www.hruprising.com. Further free resources are also available at www.actus.co.uk. There you can also find out more about our software and training solutions. Finally, why not join our LinkedIn group, The HR Uprising, to share ideas and collaborate with other like-minded people professionals. Thank you for listening to The HR Uprising podcast.